You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents A Community Affair, a weekly program where we discuss with national and local newsmakers important issues that impact our community. And now, here's your host, WGLS-FM Public Affairs Director, Megan Steckler. Welcome to A Community Affair. I'm your host and Public Affairs Director, Megan Steckler, and today we are delighted to welcome Dr. Julie Haynes. Dr. Haynes is a professor of communication studies and women's and gender studies, as well as the director of the Center for Advancement of Women in Communication at Rowan University. In honor of Women's History Month, today we'll be discussing her experience and involvement in gender studies. So Dr. Haynes, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to speak with me. So excited to be here, Megan. Thank you. Anytime. So if you would, tell me a little bit about your background. Have you always wanted to pursue a career in your profession? I wanted to be a professor for a very long time. I was taking a senior English class. We were reading literary criticism. And I loved it. Like I loved all the symbolism and all the critical analysis and the close textual reading. And I remember asking him, like, how do you get to do this? Like, who does this for a living? Well, you have to become a professor. And so I had every intention of becoming an English professor. And then I went to University of Richmond as an undergraduate. Loved it. Back then, which was in the 80s, every time I would try to get into English classes, they would be full. So I would never get into the English classes. Now, I did. I ended up being an American studies major and a communication double major and a women's studies minor. But I also was a debater in high school and in college. And the communication faculty were who oversee the um, the debaters. And so my professors there were like, excuse me, well, you're just going to have to be a communication major. And I was like, whatever. And then I found rhetorical criticism. And rhetorical criticism is exactly like, not exactly, but very, very similar to literary criticism. You're just looking at oral discourse. You're doing the same thing you would do with like a novel, but you're analyzing public discourse. And then I also always been interested in women's issues. And I remember telling the same English professor, like we're reading all of these coming of age stories about men. Where are the women? Uh, you get a little bit of that, I guess, with To Kill a Mockingbird. But that's always been an interest of mine, too. And I minored in women and gender studies as an undergraduate. That's really been my focus for a very, very long time. Very nice. And so how did you end up at Rowan? I went to Penn State for my PhD, and I was applying for different jobs, got interviews at Rowan. They were, you know, doing interviews at the time. I loved Rowan. I came to campus. It was really even in, I started in 1998, so Henry Rowan had already given his money. And it was just such an exciting time, and we continue that trajectory, right? And so I was just so excited to be in a program that really wanted me to teach whatever I wanted to teach. Uh, Lauren Arnold, who is now the provost at another university, she and I came in at the same time, and they, they said to us, look, build the communication studies program. What do you want to teach? What do you think is important? So we did. So that's how I ended up at Rowan, and I have I really had no intention when I was 28 years old that I would still be teaching at Rowan in my 50s, 
But here I am and I love it. I love Rowan. Yeah, Rowan is great. I mean, I'm also very biased because I mean, I go here as well. But Mm -hmm. I feel like the communications department has grown so much over the last couple of years. The communications department is definitely something that's kind of like a hidden gem. But once you know about it, you're like, oh, yeah, it's definitely on the rise. Yeah, I mean, we have a whole college, the College of Communication and Creative Arts. I used to be the associate dean of the college. And we are sort of we're in five different buildings on campus. So that's part of the issue. You know, they're phenomenal faculty in all of the communication programs. So definitely your listeners should check out the majors and minors we have. Absolutely. Pivoting a little bit, what is the Center for Advancement of Women in Communication? The center is an affiliate of the Lillian Lodge Copenhaver Center for the Advancement in Women Communication that was Florida International University. So we began the affiliate in March. We really started in March of 2020. March 2020 was sort of when everything happened. So we're really kind of just getting off the ground in the last year or so. But it is a center that is dedicated for advancing gender equity and gender equality in all of the different communication fields both in academia, in curricula, and in industry. What we currently do is we have a lot of virtual programming. Again, that's sort of how we started. And we have these affiliates across the country. Virtual is perfect for that. So we can have these Zoom calls and everyone, we have have this huge network of individuals for students to tap into and listen to experts in different communication fields. So one of the things that I've been really driven to do is introduce students to different facets of communication communication careers. My favorite programs that we had was called Day at the Museum, where we interviewed two women who are communication professionals who work in museums. So if you're an undergraduate, that might not be the first thing that you think of, right, is to, I can get a job at a museum. Introducing those folks, and then the undergraduates and graduate students, too, can network with these individuals, find out more, uh, listen to their experience, and although we don't always focus on female speakers or women in communication, we frequently do. And we feel that modeling, like seeing people in those roles models that for young women and, and other underrepresented gender identities, right? So you could see these individuals and be like, oh my gosh, that person is the CEO of their own company. They started their own company. And then obviously all of our calls, people can ask questions and, and network. So that's been the primary focus that we've been having the last few years. That's an awesome resource. And I really, really, truly appreciate you, Megan, having us on because a lot of people don't know about it because we've just got it started. And I think people are really just now kind of doing face-to-face sorts of things. So we're really excited. We're going to be getting a space for the center. So that's a secret for all your listeners. Yay, we're getting a space. I can't tell you all the details of it, but I'm really excited for it because that way students come, they can meet together, we can brainstorm things, we can you know just do a lot more in-person programming. So I'm excited for that. Absolutely. And I know that you touched on this in the beginning there, but can you tell me who Lillian Lodge Copenhaver is and her connection to the center? Sure, sure. Absolutely. Because, yeah, if you were hearing that, you'd be like, why are you doing something with Florida International University? That seems random. Lillian Lodge Copenhaver is a 1962 alumna of Glassboro State University. So she has been a dear, dear friend of the university for many years. And she has um, contributed both her time and energy and finances to different things across campus. So the name might be familiar to folks. If you've gone to the Career Center, there's a Lillian Lodge Copenhaver. 
Copenhaver library, career library over there. If you're in Spien, the alumni center, the bottom floor there where all the alumni meet and we have a lot of events that's named after her. The space that we're getting is going to be named after her as well. So she has just been a really, really important, pivotal person and a real friend. I'm very blessed to call her my personal friend now and a real friend to the university. She's a real powerhouse. And as I said, a dear friend to the university. So we're really blessed to have her. That's incredible. And that's awesome that you have a personal connection with her as well. I was working with her and calling her a lot. And it was really wonderful for me to have somebody to talk to about these great ideas. And so we we really formed a great relationship talking on the phone and going through the pandemic together virtually. We're really hoping that she can make it up for the a ribbon cutting for this space because all the students should, should get to meet her. Yeah, that would be great. So speaking a little bit more on the center, what are some initiatives and events that the center has provided to women this semester? Copenhaver Center at FIU has an annual conference. In the future, we absolutely, once things become in person again, we would love, love, love to take some students. We do also some other kinds of trips I teach a class called Gender and Horror, and I always take students to the drive-in movie theater, but we open it up, and the, and the center sponsors it because we look at gender issues in horror films. We watched Halloween Ends and talked about gender issues with that. So we do those kinds of events. I'm hoping to try to get us to the Alice Paul Institute at some point, which is Alice Paul is a famous suffragist who's local. So we, we do, we're going to try to do lots of those kinds of events in the future. We're going to have more virtual programming. So we just had an event in February where we interviewed Laura Bishop, who is the CEO of Laura Bishop Communications, which is a public relations firm. They do a lot with public schools and doing public relations for the schools. And then the second speaker was a recent graduate of ours who got a job with Laura Bishop Communications. So I thought it was a great idea. Why don't we partner a seasoned communication professional with someone who's just gotten a job in that field? And it was really terrific to hear their different perspectives on how to get a job, what they're looking for, and people that they hire. So that was fantastic. So we did that in February. And in October, we had Donna Rubin, who is the author of a forthcoming book called Speaking Wild Female. She has a whole database of speeches by women. Her background is she does a lot of TED Talks and she's a journalist and she's she's very interested in women's voices. And she talks about how she would pick up anthologies about great speeches and they would almost all be men. You think about great speakers in American history and you think about, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. or Ronald Reagan, like men sort of come to mind. And so she's created this anthology of women speakers. I think it's 75 Great American Women's Speeches is the book. We had her come talk about her database and her book and the importance of a woman's voice in um, the world and in culture. And I'm not sure what exactly we'll be doing for programming for next year, but we'll have a couple of, of virtual events. And then we'll have in March, since it is Women's History Month, I believe it's March 31st, the Copenhagen Center will have a virtual event where they'll be featuring speakers. And what we generally tend to do is have a watch party. So we'll all get together and usually we'll get like wah wah. Because uh, we take pride in being New, the New Jersey affiliate. So we'll have all sorts of New Jersey things. And then we watch the speakers together. That's so uh, and so we watch all the programming together. It's really a lot of fun and really informative. That's so so nice. we'll be doing that in March. So we'll have more programming for that for sure. So I understand that you conduct research pertaining to identity, uh, specifically in mediated and pop culture settings. Could you speak a little bit about that? Sure. So like I said before, 
I really started being interested in literary criticism at a very young age and women's literature and looking at that. And as I became interested in rhetorical criticism, I was really interested in how pop culture in general and mass media specifically, things like television shows and music and music videos and advertisements, how it communicates what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a man, what it means to have a certain specific gender, how that gender is binary and, you know, situated in binaries in pop culture, what it means to be a certain race or class or region. So all of that is really fascinating to me. So my scholarship has really focused, particularly in the last few years, on gender in pop culture and regional identity. And part of that stemmed from going to graduate school in the North. You know, I went to Penn State, having gone to school and lived in the South most of my life. And having sort of an interesting experience of people assigning certain characteristics to me based on how I sounded, on my voice, on where I was from, like so associating me with certain attributes. So I had a lot of that experience. And then at the time I was in graduate school and then later there were a lot of television shows, again, reality television shows in particular, were about what I call in my scholarship redneck reality. So I really became interested in how both gender and regional identity are communicated and how those complicate each other. So I've done have publications, journal articles on Swamp People, which was a History Channel television show, a show called Billy the Exterminator, those kinds of television shows, everybody's heard of Duck Dynasty. That's kind of the research I've done. I'm interested in masculinities and femininities in their shows and the construction of whiteness. Uh, one of my essays talks about how the show Swamp People uses horror movie tropes to sort of demonize the South. And I'm really interested in things that are very complicated. So we have this concept of hegemony that I taught, teach in my classes, which is sort of these dominant ideologies that are made to appear normal, uh, which is a very general definition of it. It's much more complicated. But I like things that sort of try to challenge hegemony and also reinforce it at the same time. Like I'm fascinated in those kinds of things in pop culture. That's kind of the, the scholarship that I do personally. And then I teach that in my classes as well. That's very cool. And it sounds like your research sounds very similar to, I had to take honors composition too. And mm -hmm. mine was a section that was related to stereotypes in the media. So we had mm -hmm. to like break mm -hmm. down different, the unbreakable Kimmy, whatever that TV show is called. We right, had to look right. at characters from there. I know that I did an essay on Steven Universe, kind of like breaking the mold of the LGBTQ plus community. Yes, yes. So it sounds oh, like very fantastic. similar. Thank you. Yes, I would love to read it. That is one of the things I love about the College of Communication and Creative Arts is there is this really great synergy and overlap between faculty. And so right now I'm teaching a class that's half radio, television, and film graduate students, half seniors in communication studies. But I also have a lot of women and gender studies students in that class that are from different majors. So I love the whole interdisciplinarity of all of it. So I'm, I'm not surprised that you did that in writing arts because we have a lot of, you know, similarly minded people in the college. Yeah. And I'm really happy yeah. that everyone you know, is kind of like teaching those things because it's something that I wouldn't have known like in my other classes or even like would have really thought about. 
I like watch Steven Universe. That's why I picked that TV show right. because it was something right. that I was interested in. But I feel like I never really like understood the, the trajectory of that show. Yeah. And yeah. how much it made yeah. an impact on the community as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really boils down to media literacy. And so I feel it's really important, not just what you major in, but to go to college, we want you to become critical thinkers. For me personally, I never, ever want to tell my students how to think. That is not my job. My job is to teach you how to think critically. And then you make those judgments for yourself. Like you figure out if you think something is problematic or not problematic. Providing students with the tools to go about, okay, what is this communicating to me? That's going to make you a better citizen of the world. That's going to make you better at whatever kind of job you do. And I tell my seniors that because the gender and horror class is senior seminar. And I said, okay, 10 years from now, you're not going to remember what this essay said, but you're going to have those tools to try to know whatever media you're consuming or whatever you're doing at work. Wait a minute. What are we saying? What are we communicating? Or I do the same thing. I teach a class called rhetoric of sport. And I make the students read all of these ancient Greeks and all this stuff about the ancient Greeks. And they're like, what on earth is going on? But there's this concept of apologia, which is an apology speech, right? That the Greeks were really into. And I, I guarantee you, if you're working in sports media, somebody's going to screw up. There's going to be an athlete or somebody in the organization that's going to do something that they're going to have to apologize for. And if you're working in PR, you can use these tools that we've been using for 2,500 years to help you craft that apology. So I'm really big into that macro level of this is helping you learn how to, to think and be a critical consumer. Uh, and everybody should, should know how to do that, in my opinion. But that's what makes a great professor, in my opinion, honestly, someone who is able to teach people that like not kind of like fit them into like a box and like trying to go along with their teaching style, trying to make sure that they are getting the most out of the class that they relate to. Right. I mean, I'm very passionate about not wanting students to just think like me. Like that's not what education is about. Like sometimes students will get mad, they'll read an essay and they'll be like that person. And I'm like, that's good. Like you can disagree with the essays. Like I think sometimes in school, we're taught this is the knowledge and knowledge is finite and concrete and here it is and know this and don't ever question it and I want my students to question everything all the things and they can agree with it they can disagree with it they can agree with parts of it and not others I mean sometimes it's frustrating I think for my students when they're they're writing things because they're they some students want you know they want to know is the right answer and I'm like well maybe then they get mad but that's just how I teach my classes It has been wonderful speaking with you, Dr. Haynes, of course, but now it is time to take a short break. We'll be back with more Community Affair after this. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to A Community Affair. I'm your host and public affairs director, Megan Steckler, and continuing with our conversation of honoring Women's History Month, we are speaking to Jennifer McGraw. Graduating just last year from Rowan University, Jen has been juggling a few different positions within the sports industry, and if she sounds a little familiar, she is a former WGLS member. Today, we'll be discussing her experience as a woman in the sports industry. So Jen, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to speak with me. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be back. I was like getting emotional as I was walking in. I'm just super happy to be here. Walk me through what you've been up to since you have graduated. Yeah, so it's been a very fun couple months since graduation. I decided I wanted to go for my master's degree. I decided, you know, why not just go back to Rowan, get my master's, get something where I already have so many connections with so many great people, including you, of course. Thank and you. of course, 
and just get something like get a master's degree where I already have so many established relationships and I'm still able to be involved for a couple more years. Getting the master's kind of helps building some more relationships, getting a little extra time here to be involved. And that's where I decided to get my master's in television studies. Some other things I've been a part of as well. I've started competing in the Miss America pageants, which is super fun. It's been a wonderful experience. I started this year competing for Miss South Jersey and Miss Gloucester County. It was super fun. It's an awesome experience and I can't wait to continue being a part of the Miss America program. I'm good for a couple years to be able to try to earn some more scholarship money. In the sports world, as we will probably get into more today, I am a social media person for BetQL, which is a part of the company Odyssey. And what I basically do is do a lot of promoting for their shows. They have like radio shows. So I get a lot of skills from when I worked at Rowan Radio that I can transition well to with BetQL. And basically, I'm just posting on social media. It's so fun. I get to write for them as well. And so it's nothing more that I'd rather be doing right now than just two things that encompass what I do with the sports world. It's a blast. Absolutely. And you're so multi-talented. Look at you with your Miss Congeniality, with all of your pageantry over there, as well as your master's degree and your schooling. I love that you're going back to school. I think that higher education is so important. I did read a little bit that you're also a Philadelphia Eagles beat writer. Would you talk a little bit on that as well? I grew up in a football household, so football was always something that I just knew and I could really get a part of and be a part of every Sunday. Football was something that I kind of got more into in my high school years when I was a part of the high school football team. I was a water girl. I was the Bobby Boucher of my high school football team, which was super fun, and it was a great experience. And I think after that, plus the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, I really found that football was something that I really wanted to be a part of more. It wasn't until I stumbled upon being at Rowan and being in the sports communication department that I really found a love for football again and just being able to write about it. When I transferred to Rowan, it was in the heart of the COVID pandemic. It was kind of a challenge to be able to find some friends and be able to like make connections. Something that I was able to be a part of while online was The Wit, which is our school newspaper. One of the articles, I think it was the first article that I had published in a newspaper, was an analysis about the Philadelphia Eagles and what they need to do in order to succeed for the season. Needless to say, it aged very well. Basically, in short, it talked about how they needed some veteran players as well as some younger, fast talented kind of players as well having that nice balance that you need on a football team once I heard that article would be published in the paper I was super excited super happy and just I sat back and I realized that going into that work and putting in that work and doing the researching was a lot of fun and it's something that I wanted to continue doing so that's what I do now I'm so happy that you found your passion through the wit. Right? Yeah. And just being able to find my calling through the wit, it was a blessing. Absolutely. Talking more about the sports industry. So obviously that industry is primarily a male-dominated field. So what would you say inspired you to pursue a career within that field? Did you have any role models or influences? Yes. So I think something that really inspired me to be in the sports field was my love of writing about the Eagles early on with the wit. And also something that my mom kind of had a conversation with me about. We were just kind of talking about some other career fields that I could go into. And so she was like, well, you really like football and you really like talking about sports. 
Maybe taking up a sports journalism career might be something that you'd be interested in. And at the time, I thought nothing of it. And I was like, no. But I think coming to Rowan, being a part of the public relations program, and then soon on tacking on the journalism and sports communication minors that I tacked on, I think really inspired me to go into a field that I'd be happy, I'd be loving to do, and something that has such a great market in Philadelphia, of course, with all the sports writers and the sports commentators. And uh, just having that love growing up as well, being, like I said, being in a football household, really, I think, got me inspired to take this on as a career. Sometimes parents do know exactly what it is that you need to do and where you need to go. Right. It's it's just really interesting to see how all those little instances of my life panned out to now me being a sports journalism kind of person. Absolutely. With your part-time writer position at Odyssey and with everything else that you're doing with being a podcast host as well and doing yes. some freelancing, have you faced any challenges or pushback as a woman in this industry? Absolutely. You're always going to have a situation arise where you might not be able to handle the negativity in the best way. As a woman in sports, you're always going to be seen as less than because like you're a woman who, what do you know about sports? Like it's such a man, it's such a man's game. It's a man's thing. I mean, the NFL is literally what it's, it's men. So of course you're going to have some pushback, but the best way that I've been able to handle it is just see them from their point of view, see why do they feel that way, and hopefully try to get across my point of view in the best way that I can. It's it's a struggle. You just learn to deal with people who, who think less and who come from a place of ignorance. I'm so happy that you had a positive growth mindset. People are going to see that you are professional and you take it seriously. And this is why you can have positive conversations with people who may not agree with you. And I think that's just going to make you better in the long run. And especially in the sports industry, somebody says something offending or something that's coming at your team, it's like an attack on you personally, but you have to realize it's not on you personally, it's on your team and you got to handle the same way that it's coming at you and you cannot clap back, you cannot get personal and it's very easy to get personal in this business, but you should not. Yes, absolutely. Do you have any future plans? Like what is it that you want to do in your career long term? So there's a couple things, and I'll tie into some of my Miss America talk that I talked a little earlier on as well. I think the major thing for me, I would love to be a full-time writer for Philadelphia's, like Philadelphia sports. It doesn't even have to be just Eagles. I'd love to write about the Phillies, the Sixers, and the Flyers, and the Union. I would love to be a writer full-time, either with The Inquirer or with Philly Voice, which is a an online news publication that I've followed for such a long time. And I love the voice that they use in Philly Voice because it's very professional, but it's also very informal. So you can share your opinion, but of course back it up. So it's a lot of like features, opinion type, but it's also still very formal, informational news about the teams. And I love something like that. I love the uniqueness of it. So that's something that I would love to write for. I would love to have some sort of job where I'm in the radio station with WIP. But for right now, I think writing is something that I'm stronger with. And as I'm going through school and as I'm still finding myself, I would love uh, nothing more than to solidify my career in journalism first. And then everything else after would just be an added bonus. I would love to have a nonprofit about athletes and bridging the gap between the mental health access with athletes in a nonprofit kind of setting. I think both of those jobs would be something that would be super fulfilling and something I, I see myself in the future doing. 
Absolutely. And I know that they're going to be achievable for you considering the fact that you're doing everything that you can right now, being a writer and also podcasting and freelancing. Just you have so much going on. I just know there's so much promise in those areas. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Of course. So I have one more question for you. So obviously you have had a lot of experience in this industry, not only with writing, but also with talking on air and everything that you are doing. What advice would you give women and girls looking to go into the sports industry? Building a relationship is super important in the sports industry. And it's not just like saying, hi, how are you? Here's my contact information. Let's let's meet up. Let's talk about, you know, different things that we could do for each other. It's taking that time. It takes months. It takes years to be able to build those relationships and to be able to give and take with each other back and forth. And then the other thing, which is very typical advice, but I think something that is super important to emphasize on is just not giving up think how look how far I've come why would I give up now what is the purpose of me actually you know walking away from something when I've already made so much progress thus far so I think just the importance of building your integrity building that kind of bounce back mentality so to speak that's going to show in the workforce. It's going to show in your personal life. It's going to show everywhere that you're able to bounce back, that you have a thick skin, that you're able to continue doing what you want to do. Building relationships is super important, but also just the, the emphasis on not giving up, which I know is easier said than done, but not giving up is one of the reasons why I'm able to be where I am today, where I, why I'm able to give this interview and have so many things to talk about. Absolutely. I 1000% agree. Networking is so important. I know Mm -hmm. in the business world, that's all we talk about making those connections and a genuine connection, not just something that's transactional, something that is long lasting and can pay out later, whether that is just someone that you can have advice from who is like a mentor or someone who can even help you transition into the job market. You never know. And then again, never giving up. I love the way that you just described that phrase and how what it means to you. With that being said, Jen, thank you so much for taking time out of your day again. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I am so happy to be back. And I'm just very happy to be able to sit down with you today and talk. And again, I'm your host, Megan Steckler, and this has been A Community Affair. You've been listening to A Community Affair. Be sure to join us on the third Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. as we discuss the important issues that impact you and our community. Only here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.